I think we can all find something in our days, more than one thing that we're grateful for. And it might, it usually is the small stuff. It's not the big stuff. So if people live over there and are engaging in those behaviors to get through these next two, three, six months, whatever, then I feel like, wow, we're going to, you're going to have, we collectively are going to have a whole bunch of people who have learned the definition of resiliency. And if we have that kind of population rolling forward, amazing. You're listening to My Evolved Life, a podcast that simplifies health and fitness and helps you maximize your life. My name is Vuna Nguyen, and I'm the creator of the Evolution Training System. We're so lucky to be living in the information age, meaning it's easier than ever to access information and find answers to any questions you may have. But isn't it confusing when you read information that's conflicting or worse yet, just sounds wrong? I'll be sitting down with industry professionals to give you clarity and leave you with tangible actions you can take immediately to improve your physical, mental, and psychological health. Today, we welcome back Cinder Smith, registered psychologist. I first had you on the show um, sometime in November, December, I believe, and we had you again in the first couple of weeks of COVID. Now we are heading towards the seventh week of the pandemic. The biggest effect for most of us being that we're locked inside, we're being asked to self-isolate, quarantine. So I'm curious, what are your biggest observations over the course of the past seven weeks? And how has that really evolved since the last time we talked, which was about five weeks ago? Yeah, okay. Um, So I would say... And I've, I've, I've kept it like a little journal actually for myself and for just um, watching the trends and the transitions that people have gone through. And so I'd say with week one and week two, it was a little bit of a, I don't want to say um, happy time, but everybody was more, oh, we're working from home. No big deal. This is kind of fun. Um, not really, I think, wrapping their head around the seriousness of it. Week three and four, people are kind of settling in a little bit more. Teachers are giving some Zoom classroom times with with students. Uh, People have really transitioned working to, sorry, working from home. Um, Week five was like, I described it like this, just this weird week. It was just really uncomfortable. I felt like people's feelings were starting to really evolve into more fear, more anxiety, more panic. And then last week, week six, was lots of of emotion, lots of people coming in with major fears, major anxieties, and some of them being extremely real in terms of money. Um, Some people have been having lost their jobs um, and really just worried about what's next kind of thing. So last week was pretty heavy and I found myself even to be pretty begged at the end of my work day. And that's a little bit unusual. I'm gonna tell you why. I was talking about this with a friend of mine and I said, there's parts of my work that, because sometimes people say to me like, oh, how do you do what you do? It must be so hard. Well, yes, sometimes it is. But other times I get to see people change and transition and, and, and 
better themselves and, and really do some, some soulful work. And, and right before my eyes, I can see that when they come for follow-up, but last week was just hard after hard, after hard, after hard. Like it was, there wasn't a lot of people coming in like that. So I found my, myself feeling really, really drained by the end of it. So I see it evolving into now we're getting real. We're getting more seriousness happening and people seeing that we're here for a little while. So, yeah. This is one of the reasons why I respect your profession so, so much because I, I can imagine that, you know, as good as you are at separating your emotions from theirs, if yeah. you're an empath at whatsoever, <laughs> you like what choice do you have but to be or but to absorb that that emotion that they feel, right? And yeah. if it is a residual and a, and a constant negative energy, patient or client after client, how can you not be kind of pulled down with it? 100%. Right? So at the end of that workday, when you're just so drained and exhausted and you're feeling that residual emotion from your uh, clients, what do you do to lift yourself up so that you're not impacting your, your family, your husband and your kids? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of knew that, that, that Friday was going to be a hard day. Thursday was, but Friday was harder. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had already had lined up a, a zoom date with some friends to talk and drink some wine and put, you know, that WhatsApp or house party. House app. party. Yeah. And we played heads up. And just, I just, I needed to laugh. And I told all of them that I said, first five to 10 minutes of our Zoom chat on unload, get it out. What's up? How's everyone feeling? But then we're going to move along. Cause I was like, I need this. <laughs> yeah. So we had about a two and a half hour visit and just laughed. And yeah, it was, it was exactly what I needed. And then followed by a really good sleep. Yeah, I think that's so much in alignment with what I know your mantra to be, right? Just find fun, find laughter. Lightness. And, and it's so, so important right now. Um, yeah. I know we all talk about this and it's almost getting old to a degree. Yes, there is so much uncertainty right now, right? And yeah. that's the biggest concern. If if we had a, a predicted end date to this, I think people could cope yeah. a little bit better. Um, but you know, now seven weeks in, we're not necessarily any further than we were at one week or two weeks in. And yeah. I think as, as the weeks go on, it's just going to get more and more severe. The anxiety, the stress level is going to go up and up. Right. And of course, as yeah. time drags on, people's financial situations also gets worse and worse, assuming that, you know, they've lost their jobs or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so one of the real curious things about me, again, going on that uncertainty is the, the information that's being, and this is just my opinion, but I find that the information being put out there isn't consistent and yeah. that contributes to that uncertainty, right? Oh, so, so People masks. People don't know what to listen to. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly it, right? Masks, yeah. wear them or not. Like within the first couple of weeks, mm -hmm. it was, ah, they don't really help. But now mm. it sounds like the messaging is more, okay, if you wear them, it'll protect you from so-and-so, you know, but, but there's still no definitive answer. And in my opinion, even if they don't have a definitive yes or no, I would just say, just enforce it. Yeah. Just say that, yes, you know what? To the best of our knowledge, if you wear a mask, it will help. 
give them give the people some sort of certainty people are just looking yeah. to be told what to do Oh, they're hungry right? for it. And the the anecdote that I like to use right now, I like to use my mother as a great example of this. Right. right? Yes. So there is there are some loose guidelines around produce because they may be yeah. potential carriers of the virus. Yeah. So hearing that and not having some strict guidelines ar- around it, she doesn't know any better. Every time she comes back from Costco or Superstore, wherever she may go, um, she will literally scrub down every single apple, every single banana, one by one. And now she has a fear of going shopping because she doesn't want to put in that extra two hours to clean that, right? So what are your thoughts there? And and how do our behavior patterns change when we come out of COVID? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, how do they change? I was just talking about this literally last night with a friend about that. That what do I think? What is it going to look like when we're on the other side of this? Oh, you know that I'm an optimist by nature, but there's a part of me that's worried that people are going to be really fearful, judgmental, and angry because I don't know. As soon as things kind of loosen or soften a little bit, I think they're still going to have that scarcity mentality and that fear mentality because everyone's being well, not everyone, but we're being invited to be conditioned for those ways of thinking and being right now and doing. Having said that, um, fear and anxiety breed fear and anxiety. And when we watch somebody else engage in behaviors that are, I'm gonna air quote, protective in nature, in their mind, we feel the need to do that same thing or then then some. Um, I think that COVID is going to, not I think, I know I can see it right now before my eyes, is breeding more and more obsessive compulsive disorders in people, hands down, um, which is is a lot of that. The, the, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder says this, I have an obsession, so I have to have the, the cognitive thought of I need to do X or, or else, that's, I'm putting it very loosely, so to have the the thought and then to have the behavior, the doing, the compulsion. Um, so that's the execution. I feel like every single piece of produce that comes in my house is dirty and has COVID and therefore I have to excessively wash every single thing in there. So, so and through time and practice and repetition, repeat, 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 people really um, now associate those two things um, which just, it, it just solidifies that, that pattern of behavior even further. So, um, yeah, I just see, I've, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm, I, I know I've told you before, uh, Brene Brown is just one of my favorites Mm -hmm. and, um, she had a phrase that she used that I loved because I've been telling people limit your social media intake and limit your news consumption period and be picky about who you're going to listen to. Please, for the love of God, don't listen to politicians for health advice. Yeah. That's my one political statement, period. Um, But someone like Hinshaw, who she is just educated and grounded, and she knows what she's talking about. And her delivery usually comes from a place of just calm and uh, even maybe a little sense of hopefulness. And so listen to her. 
Anyways, coming back to uh, Brene, she said, news consumption is like gasoline on an anxiety fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, well said, yes, because you watch something and then you weren't thinking about that thing before, but you are now. And then you find yourself going down, you know, crazy rabbit holes unnecessarily. So that, again, I'm coming back to limiting your social media and news intake, period. It doesn't need to be on background in your house all day every day please don't that's not a good idea at the risk of saying something potentially controversial and i may offend some people uh, but <laughs> that's why we're friends <laughs> yeah you know in regards to listening to politicians i mean they're well advised and i'm sure they they have some there's some merit to what they're saying because they are advised by doctors and what have you but for those people who are for example hearing what Trump is saying and thinking that Lysol, like drinking the Lysol liquid or whatever it is, like, I'm sorry, guys, if you hear that and you think that that is valid or factual, life is much harder than than what we're going through right now, right? I I don't want to say that, but when I heard that, first of all, I don't actually think he was serious. Like, it didn't sound like, uh, you know, he didn't have that serious tone behind him. But even if he were, I'm sorry, I'm just not listening to that crap. No, totally. (laughs) Um, With all of his medical degrees that he has? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The the fact that Lysol had to put out a disclaimer um, that 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 just kind of shows you where we are as a people. Uh, we but that also emphasizes the fact that people are really just looking for direction. They don't know any better. Um, they're yeah. looking for that guidance, right? I know um, that's true. Now going back to the timeline, and and if you feel like you don't want to speak to this or you don't have the answers for this, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're talking we're we're speaking strictly hypotheticals here. Yeah. So at two weeks, you had a certain vision of status quo. Okay. What it looked like then you have a pretty good vision of what it looks like now. So five weeks later, week seven, let's assume, and I think this is a fairly good assumption now that we just had the stampede uh, being canceled. Looks like a lot of things are being canceled, projecting like three, four months forward, chances are yeah. we're not going to get back to any form of normalcy, the new normalcy, potentially right. for another three, maybe six months. Totally. Yeah. How do you project what you're seeing now? Project that forward. What yeah. are people going to be like down the road? Let's call it six months. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think, and this is um, my observation and my opinion, um, both professionally and personally, is I'm gonna kind of break it down to two ways of getting on the other side of this beast. Because again, it's not an if, it's a when. We will get on the other side of it, period. People could can and are doing it, let's say number one stra- or way of dealing with this right now. Um, watching too much news and social media having increased panic and worry and anxiety, um, socially isolating, which is very different than social distancing. I'll come back to that. Um, And not maintaining a good healthy routine with sleep, eating, exercise, drinking water, and having some form of social connection. So I'm seeing people do stuff like that over there 
And some of that does also include um, increased alcohol consumption, increased illicit drug use or abusing their, their pharmacology medications, um, increased in abusive behavior in homes, domestic violence is on the rise. And I gotta say it, I gotta say it, and I gotta put it out there and suicide for sure. That That is what is happening. I'm kind of a tell like it is person. So there's one way. Number two way of dealing with this is stay informed, watch enough social media and news to satiate that and get it off. And when I say that, like Hinshaw for 15 minutes, six o'clock news, whatever. Mm-hmm. Second is maintaining really good routines, sleep, all of those things, getting up at the same time every day, get going to bed at the same time every day, shower, eat your breakfast, stop work for lunch, get outside a little bit every day, find a way to connect with your family and your friends. Um, and then other stuff like learn a new hobby, learn, learn a language that you've been putting on for a long time or just doing something new and something fun and and reminding yourself that we are going to be okay we will get through this and having we talked about it before having gratitude i think we can all find something in our days more than one thing that we're grateful for and it might it usually is the small stuff it's not the big stuff so if people live over there and are engaging in those behaviors to get through these next two, three, six months, whatever, then I feel like, wow, we're going to, you're going to have, we collectively are going to have a whole bunch of people who have learned the definition of resiliency. And if we have that kind of population rolling forward, amazing especially with our kids. I know I kind of mentioned that last time, but I'm coming back to it. Like, what are you as parents out there doing to role model good behavior for your kids? Cause they are our next generation. And if you're role modeling that panic and instilling fear and those kinds of things, please find a way to not do that panic in private, but not in public in front of them. Um, and, and, and remember that, yeah, they're, they're, they're watching when you don't think that they're watching you. And so be careful about what things you're instilling in their little minds and in their little worlds. Their worlds are smaller than ours and they are now observing us more and more and more. And so being really cautious about what you're saying to your spouses about what's going on and how you're responding and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I see, This could kind of go one of two ways is what I'm getting at. And um, one of the things I've been talking about with every single person that's come that I'm working with in my practice is how can you be your best self during this really, really hard, uncertain time? What does that look like? And everyone's is different, but we, you know, some people like to write it out or we'll just talk it out, but that's really what I've been trying to kind of refocus or shift and, and get people's mindsets a little bit over there. I think one of the difficulties though is that we will always, you know, as a people, again, collective we, will fall back on old habits. Well, we're going to fall back onto what we are used to, right? So if we are habitually used to living in a fight or flight mode, living in fear, this is only going to exacerbate the, the, the issue, right? Yeah. Um, and going back to what you were saying, 
uh, in terms of communication in front of kids or with kids or whatever, you want to be extremely conscious of the things that you say. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I think that a lot of people are very, much, very much on edge right now. And when yeah. you're on edge, you do things on impulse. Like it's oh, not, it's not really? a controlled, you know, decisive yeah. or decision rather, but you just do it because it's a snap judgment, right? Reactive. Um, do you see a lot of that? Absolutely. Way more impatience and impulsivity for sure. Anger is right there. Um, and you know, the thing about anger, anger underneath it is just fear and hurt and pain. Anger is just what, what people project. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm definitely seeing people um, having a lot more of a reaction to things. And I think we talked about this in our very first session together, mm -hmm. the difference between responsive or sorry, reacting and being responsive. Reaction requires very little thought, if any. When we react to something, we're just going on almost sheer emotion and react to an emotion um, behaviorally. Whereas a response requires you to just pause, like what is this feeling? Check in with yourself. Why am I feeling this way? What's this all about? And get in your head a little bit about it. It's like get curious about what am I scared of right now? What did I watch or listen to or read or, or what, what got me feeling really triggered right now? so that you can label it and put meaning to it. And, and it doesn't always mean that that worry or that anxiety goes away. It usually doesn't go away, but you can dissipate it a little bit. So when we're in this really serious, uncertain time, finding ways to think about it differently is, is huge. It is not easy. I, I, I've been doing this for a long time and I still find myself like, oh, okay, no, I don't need to think that like that. How can I regroup and have a different perspective about this thing or the thing that I was worried about or something like that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, if you can find, or if I can find a positive in all of this, it's really the fact that if you had some underlying issues or problems that you didn't know about, they'll really come to the forefront. Oh, so, they right? definitely are. Whether it's financially or relationally, I, I think, yes. you know, the last time we talked, you kind of, you know, we kind of joked about how um, there are going to be some divorces or some breakups as a result oh. of this. Um, and chances are, I don't think it's this situation itself that is creating that result. But right. these are underlying issues. That relationship already had issues to begin with. And this just really brought it to, to the forefront. And likewise, financially, right? Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. Yeah. I've been saying that this is bringing out a whole lot of, well, let me say it this way. I gotta be, you know how I am with language. It's so big. Yeah. This is bringing out opportunities to look at your dark spots and do some healing. Some people aren't going to do that. They're going to say, they're going to deny it, repress it, and pretend that, that those things aren't happening or aren't coming up and they're not theirs. And there are other people who are, they are doing that. And they're saying, Cinder, I've noticed this about myself. And I know that this has been a trend or a pattern in my life. And I got to look at it and I got to do some work around it. So yeah, I'm seeing a little bit of both of those things, but definitely this whole thing is bringing out opportunities to look at it. Yeah. And, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, you had alluded to there's some, there's an increase in domestic violence um, yes. or potentially an increase in domestic violence. And I think that 
anger and violence is not a an appropriate response or not a natural response. So if this situation is bringing that side of you out, that does indicate that you you have an, an underlying issue with anger yes. that may need to be addressed. If not now, then once we get out of this. Is that Definitely. fair to say? Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can qualify a little bit that, that there, that statistic, I don't know the exact number, but that yes, increased domestic violence here in Calgary, because I have, uh, a couple of friends in my life who are police officers and, um, and yeah, an increase in suicides in the last three weeks for sure. So. I know you are on some, uh, you know, you're, you're a part of associations uh, for psychology. What is the collective, um, the collective thought process or not thought process, but, um, where are you guys like, where are you guys at? Like, are you guys implementing new strategies or yes, communicating about it differently? Like what, what's the latest and greatest? I know you guys are adapting very, very quickly. Yeah. Kind of weekly. And, um, so what we started to do a, f- a few of us psychologists who are in private practice is talk about what what is post pandemic going to look like because right now mental health is everywhere i don't care who you are in this world there's varying degrees of it happening right now um but we're kind of talking about what is this going to look like when we come on the other side of it and so we wrote down a list of those things and are being invited or encouraged to um, to pick one that we want to pick a diagnosis that we want to kind of specialize in and get more educated or or tooled up, I guess I I, I would say mm-hmm. um, for when this is over. And the list of diagnoses that we came up with were addiction, obesity, um, increased problems with uh, relationships, marriages, separation, divorces. Um, an increase in obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, what's the other one we thought of? Um, I can't remember right now, but yeah. So, so knowing that, that we're, when we get on the other side of this, those are going to be like on the rise for sure. How are we going to collectively treat the, 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 the influx of those in, in practice? So, I, I got to give kudos to the college, the College of Alberta Psychologists, as well as uh, Psychology Association of Alberta for really getting us as psychologists, our minds forward thinking about not just helping people right now, well, we're in it, which is really important, but we are forecasting that this is going to be a really big deal when we get on the other side of it. So going back to what you do then as a psychologist, this, uh, this is actually a, a great segue into a question that I wanted to ask you. Okay, yeah. Um, you deal with so much day-to-day, almost to the extent, and I'm making an assumption here, so correct me if, if I'm wrong, but because you deal so closely um, and so emotionally with your clients, you may even feel responsible for them to some degree right? Responsible for their success coming out of COVID. So yeah. that puts a lot of pressure on you as a yeah. professional. So you've used the word routine and, you know, people talk about routine quite a bit. 
So yeah. I'm gonna gonna assume that it's your routine that's keeping you very very yeah. rational. You know, yeah. uh, getting you through this in a p- more positive or as positive a manner as possible. Yes. So let's talk about your routine, right? Yeah. The the reason I want to talk about that is I think it's great for professionals to talk about or to put things into context right so rather than just say find a routine but no this is my routine this is what I do on a daily basis Um, and and I I think it provides that context makes it a lot easier for people to to understand what what they should be doing what they need to be doing yeah what does that look like yeah Yeah. perfect so I'm going to come back to your comment about like uh that sense of responsibility for, for my clients and, and, and their well-being and how they're doing. Way back when I was a baby psychologist, early days, I have a beautiful, wonderful human, and she's, she's also a psychologist in practice, um, give me a phrase which to this day I still remind myself of, and it's this, care, but don't carry. And so it's important for me to care about the people that I treat. Of course I do. That's why I'm here. That's mm-hmm. why I do it. But I can't carry their feelings because they're, 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 the, they're not mine. They're theirs. And I can't carry their hurts because if I hijack their hurts or their feelings, I hijack their opportunity to heal from it. Does that make sense? So I always come back to care, but don't carry. So yeah, which really, really helps me sometimes when I'm feeling so bad for somebody else and what they're going through and and trying to give them tools to to manage as best they can so um and also very very specifically and then i'll jump into my routine um when i leave a session or i leave my office i am very literal about switching hats and i'll tell you exactly what it looks like I switch off all of the lights in my office and my lamps. I've got this cool little um, mm-hmm. fountain, water fountain. Um, I turn off my computer, put it in my bag, and then I lock up. And I'm very intentional about all of those things. I walk to my vehicle, I get in my car, and my my commute home from the office to home, well, now it's not nearly as much traffic, but um, about a half an hour, but 20 minutes. And I use that and listen to some of my favorite music. And that's my transition from psychologist hat to now I'm going to be home and I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be a wife and I'm going to be a friend and a daughter and a neighbor and all of those other things. And, and the first, okay, maybe not the first, second thing I do once I walk in the door and greet everybody is I change. I literally get out of my work clothes. It's kind of like getting out of your uniform. And for me, it really helps to switch out of that hat and then do my other life. And because when I do that, I take the time to fuel myself back up so that I can saddle up and go do another difficult day the next day. So what does it look like? Sorry, I, I have, I, before you, you talk about your routine, I have to say that that's amazing. Like that is a very conscious decision that you're making to switch yeah. those hats, right? Yeah. And because it's a conscious decision, you put the proper steps in place. This is what I do. Okay. I get yeah. in my car. I turn on the music. Yeah. I get home. I change. Like, and that's that. Right. Totally. You don't leave it up to chance. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. Like if my little humans were here, they would, 
they would if you if you interviewed them yeah. <laughs> they would say what is this what's the first thing that mom does when she walks in the door literally they would say that so great <laughs> yeah um okay so i wake up ish same time every day between eight and eight thirty quarter to nine depending on the kids too um i usually i'll come downstairs and i'll grab i'll make a cup of coffee and usually i go back upstairs into our bed um and drink my coffee in there and i just i don't look at my phone i don't have anything on i just kind of sit there for not very long like maybe five to ten minutes and just it's kind of my my version of meditating but i'm not really meditating i'm just sure well maybe in meditation with my coffee there's a reason why my shirt says drink coffee <laughs> um and then once i'm done that i'll come downstairs and have some breakfast um breakfast usually if i get down brass tacks will be uh some greek yogurt and berries and granola or i'm a big fan of scrambled eggs um then i'll usually sh either it depends on my day either i'll work out right away and then get ready to go into the office or sometimes i just get ready and i go into the office um and then work out later on in my day uh, but there's always some form of exercise especially right now i will openly admit for one sec that prior to covid i did not work out every day i, I worked out about four or five times per week but right now i just made a commitment to myself i'm like you know what no every single day something whether it's going for a walk running on the treadmill doing a bar class um riding bikes which now we can do um but some form of exercise every single day um so that's what else i'm doing mm -hmm. and then in and around dinner time uh depending on if i'm going to make dinner or if he's going to make dinner um what if he's making dinner i'm probably hanging out with the kids and doing something with them um or if i'm making dinner vice versa we've gotten into this this fun new habit of um watching family feud together and the kids love it. So we'll either have that on like while dinner's being made or while we're eating, um, but we'll sit down all together and have dinner together. And, and oftentimes we will talk about like, what was your best thing in the day today? Like what was the awesome thing that happened that you wanna share with everybody? Um, and then we'll finish and clean up, um, bath or shower for the kids. Um, and what we've gotten in a hab in, in a habit of with them is all five of us sitting down and watching a little bit of a movie together before bed. And it's not long, it's like 20 minutes or something like that. And we've <laughs> told you before, we've, I've watched Frozen two more, ta more times than I can count in seven weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll watch a little bit of a movie, we'll put them to bed. And then after that, Jeff and I will sit down and oftentimes we'll shut off the TV and put our phones away and just sit and visit. Sometimes we'll have a beer or a glass of wine together and just kind of, how was your day? What are you at? Where are you at? And just kind of other stuff, not really talking anything about COVID. Um, and then we go to bed. So that's, and literally that's kind of exactly my day. After I'm done with you, I have a virtual online class that I signed up for that I'm gonna do. Um, I have a little bit of work I have to do today. We're gonna get outside because it's beautiful out today. Um, I'm making stuffed uh, peppers for dinner tonight. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a day in the life right now. So the beauty in that and the beauty in sharing your routine is 
I care less about the specific things that you listed out, but more about the, the, the general idea that everything that you listed out is really quite simple. Yeah. They're very, very small things. You didn't list anything that is elusive or grand. It's spending an extra five, 10 minutes in bed and just really yeah. thinking about things, right? Thinking yeah. about your day, you know, what, what, what lies ahead. And yeah. then a little bit of breakfast. You're talking about coffee, spending some yeah. time with your kids. Yeah. Very, very small things. And that probably goes back to the gratitude that we've been talking about so much, yeah. right? Yeah. And what I love about routine is that it simply provides a structure, yeah. but it's going, it can be very, very flexible, right? Okay. So if one day, say you're in your routine, you have five to 10 minutes in the morning, but yeah. this particular morning, you're a, you're a little bit under pressure and you have two minutes, or you actually have a little bit more time today and you want to take 15. That is available to you. That's where the flexibility comes in, right? It's yeah. not meant to be this rigid, rigid structure. It just creates the framework, the structure, framework. right? I like that. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I love that. And the in hearing that, and I really want to emphasize to those who are listening, it's that, you know what? I, I pride myself on having a very good routine. My routine looks nothing like yours. Right. Right. So it's going to differ from person to person. Yes, totally. Right? Yeah. It's just the, the fact is you just need to have something there that you can fall back on, yeah. right? So you don't default to that social media or or whatever, right? Just yes. that framework. Definitely, yeah. So it sounds like you and I, we're very much in alignment when it comes to the the external stimuli, what we're observe, uh, sorry, absorbing right yes. it's it's yeah. we're both limiting our social media i think the, the thing is both inside and outside of covid or this pandemic we're not big on social media anyways totally. but but still <laughs> yeah. we 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 are cautious of what we're taking uh, what we're taking in on social media and what we're taking on in terms of the news yeah and we replace that with influential figures right so yeah. you've referenced brene brown more time more than once yeah and for me it's a an Eric Thomas. It's a Les Brown who are motivational speakers yeah. on on YouTube, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the 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 common um, sayings is you are the average of the five people closest yes. to you, right? And I, I think sometimes people get into the confusion that, oh well, you know, there really aren't any people in my immediate circle. I don't know where to find them. Do I network? How do I find these five, you know these uplifting people that I can be influenced by? Right. And I tell a lot of my, my customers, my clients that these people don't have to be physical. Right. Find somebody whose message resonates with you, whether physical or virtual. Yeah. And especially nowadays with technology, it's so easy to find those virtual figures. Um, just find them and fill your day with their messages. Yes. Right? I think you're in agreement with that. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. I love the reference because I, I, I very much believe that you are like or influenced by the five people you surround yourself with the most. And um, yeah, in all of this, so Brene Brown has been putting up uh, weekly podcasts um, about COVID and how people are responding to it. And so, yeah, I've been listening to her and, and a few others. Mark Brackett is another really good one. Um, but it, it is so true. It's like what you absorb and what you surround yourself with, who you surround yourself with that can and does play such a 
a big role in in your attitude and in your um, perspective on things. And if so, yeah, if you're listening to too much news or you're listening to a lot of fear and anxiety inducing podcasts, then no wonder you're feeling that way. Or if you're talking to a neighbor or friends who they have really, really elevated levels of stress and anxiety right now too, you're going to absorb that. So I'm not saying distance yourself from them or don't, but limit it and, and, and bring some of the other health and comfort into your life and into what you're listening to and who you're talking to and that sort of thing. So yeah, it plays, it plays such a big role, what you you surround yourself with and who you surround yourself with right now. Absolutely. And, and for myself personally, I've not always carried this positive energy. Um, I think yeah. I'm fairly positive overall. Uh, in yeah. fact, there was a point in my life where I carried a ton of negative energy. Yeah. And and that was a result of being of leaving myself and accepting myself in environments of negativity, being around negative people. And, yeah. and unfortunately, what that meant through the course of my life is I've had to um, cut certain people out of my life permanently. Yeah. And also on the more conscious side of things, um, I also realized that there were points in my life where I was the negative energy and yeah. pulling other people down. And right. out of sheer responsibility, I pulled myself back from them. And right. then when I was ready, when I was in a better place, I represented myself to them yeah. and, re and reintroduced myself to that relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's just the responsible thing to do. Yeah. But yeah, really, really understanding that what you absorb on a day-to-day -day basis, hourly basis, minute-by-minute -minute basis is going to be reflected in your moods, your behaviors. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I am very, very curious then when it comes to your kids now. Okay. So your, your kids, you have, sorry, you have. So they're three. soon to be 11, soon to be eight and soon to be five. Right. So we've talked about this a little bit um, in our first podcast, but just communicating with children in, uh, in general, uh, you have three different uh, three kids of fairly different age ranges. Yeah. yeah. Do you communicate with them collectively or do you c communicate with them independently and in different ways, uh, depending on their age? About this? About this, yes. Um, both. We do both. Um, independently or sorry, let me say collectively first, um, just kind of generally, if, if a question comes up, like, you know, are we allowed to go swimming yet? Or are we allowed to, when are we going to be allowed to go to the playgrounds again? Or things like that. We'll just have a collective conversation. Um, and then occasionally kind of individually, um, if, if, they, if we get asked a question and yeah, have to respond to it in age appropriate ways. But I would say, both but overall probably more collectively and we keep it high level just enough information to satiate their little minds and and then we move along to whatever else we're doing that day and, and are your kids able to connect with their peers via zoom yeah or some we're doing other? a little bit of that like zoom and stuff um but man my heart goes out to the the families who have only one child during this because that's got to be hard like the three of them they can play and they do and they we do stuff with them and it's great especially their um social aspect of it but 
I really feel for families who have just one child and, and trying to keep them entertained. And right now it would be really, really hard. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to take a quick deviation. Um, That's okay. We've, we've referenced the notion or the concept of the Phoenix several times. Yes. And, and uh, when you and I were having a conversation earlier in the week, uh, yeah. you made a reference to a quote that you really liked. And I, I was hoping that you could quickly read that. And it looks like you jumped Got right it. for that book. Yes. Okay. So I love this. And I really want, I'm going to read it. And I want people to really hear it because it, it kind of is coming back to my own belief about these two ways of getting through these, these next few months. So again, I'll tell people it's called Broken Open and it's by Elizabeth Lesser. And here's what I'm gonna read. I am fascinated by what it takes to stay awake in difficult times. I marvel at what we all do in times of transition, how we resist and how we surrender, how we stay stuck and how we grow. Since my first major broken open experience, which was my divorce, I have been a, I have been an observer and a confidant of others as they engage with the forces of their own suffering. I have made note of how fiasco and failure visit each one of us as if they are written into the job description of being a human. I have seen people crumble in times of trouble, lose their spirit and never fully recover. I've seen others protect themselves fiercely from any kind of change until they're living a half-life safe yet stunted. But I have also seen another way to deal with a fearful change or a painful loss. I call this other way the phoenix process, named perfectly for the mythical phoenix bird who remains awake through the fires of change, rises from the ashes of death, and is reborn into the most vibrant and enlightened version of themselves. I describe the phoenix process later in part two of the book, but for now we need only to understand it as an alternate way, as an alternate to going back to sleep. I love it. Like, I just love it that there's two ways of getting through this. And one is to stay over there and be stunted and safe. And two is dig your heels in, sit tight, be firm, be strong, and find a way to get through it in a really, really healthy way. Is that easy? Not at all. Is it doable? Yes. And when someone can make that commitment to themselves that, you know what? And, and part of that is sometimes just saying out loud, like today I'm scared, today I'm fearful. I gotta find a way to feel it and heal it and move through it. And the more you do stuff like that, the better you get at it. it the thing about hard emotions is anyone can get better at managing them, practice, repetition, repeat. You don't just magically start to be okay with your anxiety. It's you pick it, you pick it and you choose to say, I'm not going to let it railroad me today. I didn't want it to show up this early in my day, but my anxiety is here and I need to just be with it for a little bit and trust that it doesn't have to railroad my entire day. Just be with it for a little while and then get out of your house. My phrase I've told you before, to get out of your head, get out of your house. Sometimes you just need to switch gears and do stuff like that. So Phoenix process, like we all have this opportunity 
to be that, to do that, even though it's super hard. It's, it, that quote, so, Maybe. so, it, it's so appropriate to the times. Totally. Now, um, the, the term itself, the Phoenix process, yeah, it's so, so applicable. And the key, the key word here that I want to hone in on is process, right? It's a process. Oh We're not... And part of that process may be just to lay low and, and do just enough for you to sustain and maintain, right? Yes. Um, and I know there's there must be a lot of external pressure right now. I think you, we've talked about this as well. There's a lot of pressure because you, all of a sudden we 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 have so much extra time, right? Yeah. And the pressure is on us to be crazy productive, you know, yeah. um, grow, yeah. develop, read, learn. But the reality is, it's just not practical uh, for, for everybody, for everybody to, yeah. to absorb that extra pressure. Right. But one of the things that I want to be very conscious of, because I do articulate this quite often to my, my own clients and customers, is that there is a fine line between not putting any pressure on yourself at all, but putting on enough so that when you get out of this, you're not, you haven't regressed yeah. by months or years, right? Because one of the things I hear often, and, and you know, you see memes about it and people joke about it. Um, there's this term called the quarantine 15, uh, which is the assumption that you're going to be, or not even the assumption, it's the acceptance that you're going to be 15 pounds heavier when you come out of this. Yeah, they justify it. By and they, the yes, form. exactly. They justify it. And I really feel like it's a double negative right now because uh, yeah. both on the physical front and the nutrition front. So yeah. it's talking about the physical front. You know, we do live fairly sedentary lives nowadays, especially compared to our ancestors, right, who were farming and producing, right. you know, what yeah. have you. Mm -hmm. All right, so we do we work a desk job and then we come home and we maybe cook dinner, but then we end up with a couch again. But yeah. now you don't even leave your home, right? right? So yeah. it's it's really that double negative, especially if you don't take on any form of exercise or movement. And right. then on the nutrition side, because you have the extra time, it sounds like a lot of people are taking on baking or what have you, right? Yeah. And, and when I say baking, I'm not talking about consciously healthy baking. We're talking about the, you know, Comfort, yeah, the comfort foods food. and what have you, right? So it really is a double negative. You're moving less and you're eating more and you're eating worse. Right. How and where do you personally draw that line between not putting in uh, any pressure on yourself at all and putting on just enough so that you come out of this? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm serious when I say I, um, before all of this, I didn't work out every day. And um, I'm still healthy and I eat healthy. I've always eaten healthy, um, but I made a very uh, like explicit commitment to, for myself to walk the talk. So mm -hmm. when I'm telling people, you know, limit your social media news consumption, having a good sleep regime, eating well, exercising, I'm doing that too. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to it. And I'm, um, I'm not really, <laughs> people are learning a lot about me in this session. I'm not really sweet tooth person. I'm all salty, salty stuff. So the Chips. whole baking thing, I'm kind of like, meh, whatever, yeah. but you put me in front of, you know, some nachos and salsa and oh boy. Um, but I'm just, I'm same thing. You know, the college is really 
colluding us to come together and, and get ready for post-pandemic. And so I'm committed to being ready for that. So it's kind of like training for a, a marathon that you don't just jump on a treadmill and pound out, you know, six miles when you haven't been running in, in months. It's a slow progression and you add and you add and you add and you add and yeah. So I am committed to doing the, the things I've described to you about my routine and my day every single day and build and build and build so that when we do come out on the other side of it, I am ready. I am armored up. I feel strong and I feel as though I can offer wisdom and insight to people when, when they're over on the other side of this. So yeah, I guess I, because I love my work so much and I'm so committed to people and their mental health, that that's where my internal drive comes from. Not everybody has that. I'm very, very aware of it, which is why I love what you said earlier. One day at a time, just like pick one thing or two things that you're going to do healthier today. Or what are you going to do a little bit more of? Or what are you going to do a little bit less of? I'm going to not eat three cupcakes today. I'm going to have one. I'm going to walk for 20 minutes today instead of not doing or not doing anything. So little things like that. And I think that's doable during this time. Um, and again, it's, an, it's, it's really inviting to engage in some of those unhealthy behaviors because it's instant gratification. And people, whether we're in a pandemic or not, people love instant gratification. Lots of people really suck at patience and, and some of the really wonderful things in life come through hardship and practice and repetition and patience and and that's not easy and so yeah i'm probably kind of babbling now but... no not at all not at all and, and the distinction that i want to make and i want people to understand is i'm not talking about your weight i could care less about your weight right um, yeah no, to, it's more to, about a, to a degree but uh yeah. I'm, I'm talking about your health in general, yeah, right? Totally. You don't want to come out of this. Yeah, we're naturally, many of us are going to come out of this a little bit heavier than we, than we were coming in. And maybe in general, a little bit in worse shape than we were when we came in. But that's okay. But there's a difference between that and completely letting go. I know. Because, you know, both you and I are both fitness professionals as well. Yeah. And we know that, especially as we age, yeah. it's much harder to get back what we lost yeah. or, 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 or get off what we gained or what have you. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not about, again, it's not about the weight, but if you're not moving, you know yeah. what, when you come out of this, your muscles are not going to be as conditioned. Your joints right. are going to be more stiff. You're going to be in more pain. And for yeah. you to get out of that, I guess that lost progress or that regression, it's going to take months if not years uh, so you've lost yeah. years in these few months that we've been isolated right yeah. so those are the kinds of things that i want people to be conscious of and totally. make their decisions based on yeah and don't undo the things that they've already done a hundred percent yeah 100%. Um, um am i allowed to take a sharp right turn of course okay 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 because this week what i've been um listening to um, and the reason why I wanted to come back to what I said earlier, there's a major difference between social distancing, which we all must be doing and washing our hands, mm -hmm. but, and social isolation. So I've been doing my homework and 
loneliness is there's a oh, what's her name i wrote it down uh jillian holmstad and she did research on um people who are socially well socially connected um are let me see what 50 50 50 percent less likely to die early when you're socially connected another piece that came out of it was so weak social connections can lead to a significant change in our health and those included coronary disease dementia depression and a decrease in sleep so when you put that like big picture here when we are socially isolating ourselves we are setting ourselves up for major major health deficits long term so folks listen to me when i say social distance yes we must but find your people find your people that you need to have in your corner and it doesn't need to be a lot it doesn't you don't need this big huge web you just need a little nucleus of people in your life that you can talk to that you can laugh with that you can share your struggle with you have to have that i can't express that enough especially during this time we're going to be here for a little while longer so figure out that piece it's unbelievable i mean yes you and i we do our fair share of harping on social media that's fair enough yeah but social media can be good as well right it can yeah. give you that social connectedness there yeah. are some amazing groups on facebook for instance you have to find them right and there are great ways like let's assume that an individual doesn't have many family members or or they don't have a huge or a vast social network many friends yeah. you can find them right it's yeah. just people that are going through things similar to yourself experiencing the same kind of things yeah. and you're just sharing you're not venting but you're yeah. sharing right yeah. both both the both the present situation but also the positive outlook that you may have yeah. right there yeah. is a lot of potential on social media i think is being used incorrectly and i, I believe you do as well yeah. but if you use it correctly it could be a great place a beautiful place right totally, totally. Can, I'm going to share something. I'm going to share um, a really lovely story about a client of mine who um, is practicing Muslim. So they're in Ramadan right now and um, for 30 days. So I think from now until May 23rd or 24th or something like that. And in Ramadan, they're, they're not allowed to eat from dawn until dusk. Yeah. So right now it's, I guess, around 4.30 a.m. until 8.30 p.m. But also during that time, and I'm just informing people of, of this if they didn't know, um, they're also um, encouraged to engage in less profanity and being more positive and being more patient and being calmer with their their themselves and, and, and their people, the people in, the, in their lives. And so when my client shared kind of all of those things with me, I thought, wow, we should all be doing that right now. And then we were talking about it a little bit more and, and uh, she said, well, after we had talked about it, um, she, she sent me an email. Um, she put it on her social media uh, Facebook page it, it, in a healthy way to invite other people over the next 30 days, not necessarily fasting per se, but the fasting of those behaviors. And so, so there's a platform for social media can be a good thing 
and can invite some positivity. And I wish so much that people would do more of that. That would, man, that I would, I, in fact, there's my invitation to people who are listening to this today, tomorrow, and the days and weeks to come, is find a way to make your own social media over there where you're spreading some love and some positivity and some hope into the world because we all need it. And we could, we could really shift the way that social media is currently or moving forward. And that in itself actually reinforces a message that I share a lot with the people that I work with and deal with closely. So specifically to my mentees, I suppose, um, I always encourage them to, you know, if they value our relationship, think about taking on the role of mentor for somebody else. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's, it's fine. A lot of people have that reservation of, oh, well, I don't have anything to share. You know, I don't, I don't um, have any influence, whatever, whatever. I believe that everybody has influence or has the power to influence. Mm -hmm. I agree. When it comes to a mentorship type relationship, it's all about, it's more about life experiences than it is about life achievements and everybody has experience right everybody has gone through bad things um in life and everybody has gone through them as well so the sharing of that experience alone is massive so everybody has the power to influence yeah i encourage people to do that positively totally i agree 100 percent and 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 sometimes um I've said to people, when you do something nice for somebody else, it's it's not a it's not a unilateral move. It's it's bilateral. Like you you feel better by do, making somebody else feel better. And so sometimes I've been giving that as homework to people: is get out of your own head a little bit. And what can you do for a neighbor? Or is there a senior in your community that you know needs toilet paper <laughs> or yeah. milk or you know what I mean? But just finding other ways to to help and to um, yeah, just not make it all about you and your world and what you're going through. Pause, pause that a little bit and, and focus on how you, how can you make somebody else's day a little bit better? Who needs a phone call that you haven't connected with in a little while? That kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just, one, just, just one quick final thing here and it just popped my mind. So it's a little bit of a, a deviation, but yeah. um, very, very relevant, I think. And if this doesn't fall into your realm, feel free to tell me so. Um, But over the span of the past couple of weeks, I've had several people, so definitely more than one or two, um, asking me if I knew why they were waking up in the the middle of the night with a rapid heartbeat and Mm -hmm. feeling like crazy, crazy, like stressed and anxious in the middle of the night. Yeah. I will chalk it down to your, you know, your, your mental health, your mental emotions at the moment. Uh, can you speak to that? Do you know why that happens? Yeah, I do. So excellent question. And I hope this is helpful for people. Um, we, even now when we're all, well, for the most part, not quite me yet working from home, um, we can feel occupied. Our brains can feel occupied in the day with phone calls, emails, stuff we have to do if you have kids, like in homeschooling and all of that. Um, so generally speaking, our brains can be 
distracted throughout the day and someone can still be experiencing symptoms of anxiety, uh, the physical ones as well as the psychological ones, but not really feeling tuned into them, at least not as much. But I, I talk about that specific um, symptom of waking up in the night and you know, of the racing heart and racing thoughts. The whole world is quiet at night. Sun's down, world is sleeping, and that is when anxiety loves to bing, be right, right there because now all of those so-called distractions that you've had earlier in your day, those are, they're, they're done and the world is asleep. And so when people develop that, and there's a few things that I would speak to, I like to, I like people to have um, a journal. Um, these are my anxiety folks that they have beside their bed sometimes. And I'll say, I want you to write out those worry thoughts. So if you wake up in the night and you are feeling that way, write them out. What are you worried about? And the re there's science behind it. The reason is we're going to externalize some of those worries. And then we're going to close the book and you're going to put it down and put it in a drawer. Worry thoughts are literally parked and put away so your brain can try to get back to sleep. And then I teach people diaphragmatic breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing is breathing from your belly, not from your chest. When we feel anxiety, it's all up here. Muscle tension upper in your upper back and neck. Um, and so really kind of getting people to, if they're in their bed, um, doing it while they're laying down or if they need to get up and get a glass of water, do that. The other thing that I say about these folks who wake up in the night, do not lay in bed for longer than 10 minutes with your anxiety. We can literally change neural pathways in our brain to teach us to be awake when we have anxiety and we stay in bed too, for too long. It's kind of like Pavlov's dogs and associations. We, your brain can develop that association that it's okay for me to stay awake and be here in bed. No, your bedroom is for sleep and for sex. That's it. So if you're laying there and you're feeling that panic, for longer than 10 minutes, I usually say get up, go to a different room in your house, grab a glass of water, read something really, I don't wanna say boring, but something that's not gonna be stimulating. Usually I try to tell people to stay away from their phone because everybody, well not everybody, yeah. but people need to know that you know the light from your phone can, can really, um, we have a part of our brain called, called our nucleus accumbens and can get that activated and then you're more awake. So usually trying some of those things if this is more of a pattern that's going on and you're finding yourself developing insomnia then go get call your family family physician and have a phone consult or something like that because sleep is so imperative right now it's a big deal and it's a really big deal to be west sort of rested um to have good immunity so sleep is a really in strong part of coping well during this time I'm so glad that you, that was such a clean definition and, and you made a very, very um, concerted effort to quantify, uh, so specifically to the 10 minutes, uh, mm -hmm. because yeah. I know for certain there will be people, I, I would even dare, I would venture to say most people will yeah. try to ride it out, right? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, I've woken up in the middle of the night 
I'll try to get back to sleep. And they'll lay there for what seems like half an hour or hours until they fall back asleep. Right. And I can, when you were talking about association, I can totally see that. It makes so, so much sense. Yeah. I I don't mean to drag this out, but this actually, unless it's another question, then what if you're not waking up in the middle of the night, but you're having nightmares? Is that same thing? Um, yeah, nightmares are, they're, dreams in general are funny things and everybody when when people are experiencing increased stress in their life they often have an increase in dreams and in bad dreams or nightmares um usually i same thing if someone wakes up from one i get them to do that the same sort of thing of get up get out of your room go to a comfortable spot in your house somewhere and and just um switch gears get have something to listen to like a, a, a relaxing ipod cast or you know your favorite magazine or something like that but very similar sort of thing um because you you can create the same level of, of association by just staying in your bed and and laying there and ruminating over what you just experienced with your nightmare or your dreams that's that's great that, that is great information i think this particular segment is going to be um, very, very important to share because I yeah. know just by nature of what we're going through, people will be waking up in the, in the middle of the so, night with cold sure. sweats and yeah. And, and you know nightmares. what I, I, I prescribe people, I call it the hour of power down. So one hour before your bedtime, I want you doing things that are very relaxing and calming. So getting into comfortable, it's funny. Let me back up and say, what do we do with kid, little kids? go get your jammies on and brush your teeth and maybe have a, a quick snack or a glass of milk. And then we read stories to them in it. So we're doing all kinds of things for our, our kids to get their little brains and their bodies ready for a good night's sleep. But we don't always do that as adults. We, we think we're just so tired. We could just go to bed and hit the pillow and fall asleep. And for lots of people that doesn't happen. And so I say, get one hour before your bedtime where you're doing lots of relaxing things to engage your brain and your body um, in, or to, sorry, to get your brain and your body in a relaxed state, ready for bed the hour later. So for that hour, it could be a nice warm bath or some tea, dim your lights in your house, close your blinds, comfy clothes, read, read an unstimulating book or um, watch a meditate. Yeah, totally. So then by the time you actually crawl into bed, you've you've given your brain an opportunity to slow down and switch gears too. That sometimes that really can help the midnight stuff. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I think in general, we have all the the answers. We collectively have all the answers (laughs) because like you said, how do you communicate with your kids? Okay, it's time to wind down, you know, it's time for bed, you know, but do we wind down ourselves? Not necessarily, right? Yeah. Sandra, I, I... that was great. I think that was awesome. just chock full of, of not just knowledge, but good stories and really relatable stories. I think that's what's most important right now yeah. um, for people to hear these more positive messages, right? Yeah, yeah we, we are being very realistic about the situation, yeah. but at the same time, acknowledging that there is a certain amount of control that we can take. There are certain things that we can do to get, to get out of this, not necessarily on top on top but yeah. you know not so far behind not yeah, setting yeah. yourself back months or years uh, right. when we come out of this right definitely 
and we all have the 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 tools to do so um nowhere the tools then figure out which ones you need and and talk to somebody about it right um nowhere in this episode or any other episode did we talk about investing in this thousand dollar program or what have you right a, a lot of these things you can do, I would say all of these things you can do for free, right? It's just a concert, yeah. sorry, a conscious concerted effort, um, yeah. an awareness. These are all things that can be done. So, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the rest is deal. And it, You know, I come back to the power of thought. Be careful what you're thinking about every day. Line up with a little bit more hope and positivity. Try to find a way to say, how am I going to make today a little bit better? How am I going to be a little bit healthier today? Just those small things. And, and I really want people to know that I'm doing it too. This isn't something that just, you know, comes naturally. I mean, it does a little bit more so now because I've been doing it long enough, mm-hmm. but, but there was a point in time for me as well that I wasn't always that I didn't always have that mindset, but so it's, it's, it's doable. If people make it, a concerted effort to have a better attitude going forward, this can feel different and can for sure be different. And I, I really want people to take away from today that, that um, some, some level of positivity and optimism and, and it, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but find a way to laugh every day. Shit is hard right now. And I get that, mm-hmm. but but don't lose your humor and don't lose your playfulness in all of this. Take time to feel scared or to manage some of those big and hard emotions. And if you don't know how, ask and figure that out. But then come on the other side where there's still a lot of greatness out there. It's beautiful out today. It's going to be a great sunny afternoon. Find a way to be outside and then have a little laugh at some point in your day. Period. That's it. Things won't be perfect. Make a concerted effort. Do your best. And whatever yeah. happens, happens, right? But at totally. least you've done your best. So, Sitter, always, hey. always, always appreciate your time. I really enjoy our conversations. Um, you you have yourself a beautiful Sunday. And, uh, yes, we will you be too. In touch soon. We'll be in touch. Thanks for joining us for this episode of My Evolved Life. Guys, if you found any value at all, and I'm sure you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, or you want to be a guest or recommend a guest, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at EvolutionVN. Oh, if you think your friends would enjoy this podcast, please make sure to share it with them. Until next time, live your evolved life.